0: Welcome back to another episode of the Becoming Fully Human podcast. My name is Cam, I'm your host, and today's episode is featuring Matt Blackburn. Matt is the founder of MitoLife. He is he's a powerful voice in the world of health and the health industry. I've been following him, as we'll discuss in this episode, for many years now, on and off, because for a very long time... I was honestly quite triggered by the things that he posted, because firstly, he was changing his mind a lot, and secondly, some of the things he was sharing went against the things that I believed, and I mean, we do get into this in the episode, but really what I had to do at some point, which we always We don't always have to do if we want to liberate ourselves. At some point, we have to look at the fact that our triggers are our teachers. And when it came to my being triggered by Matt, I really had to sit with the fact that I wasn't comfortable with somebody changing, somebody acknowledging that what they were doing previously was not working and that they were evolving into a different version of themselves, which, of course, sounds so great on paper but when we're actually in real time being faced by people changing their minds and potentially changing their minds about something that we believe or preaching something that we don't believe it's very difficult for the human ego to sit with that and take it and actually be inspired by it because I think so many of us we put on this we put on a show like we we parade our beliefs like badges of honor and we will fight to them to the death and matt is really an inspiring voice in the health community because he is not afraid to change his mind he um he grows he evolves and he does it in real time and it really is it's pretty inspiring once you can explore the own, your own shadow and your own relationship and discomfort with the possibility that you yourself are wrong or that something you believe isn't true. And for me, in this past, you know, six, just over six months now in Mexico, it's been all about taking off the masks, you know, really exploring, is this true? Can I absolutely know that this is true? Who would I be without this thought? The typical Byron Katie, you know her work, um, and and seeing what what's left. So I I felt so honored to have this conversation with Matt, and it really felt like a milestone for me to come full circle, where I was able not only to not be triggered, but actually be so inspired, and I loved connecting with Matt. Um, we actually kept chatting for quite a while after we stopped recording, and it was actually my even possibly preferred part of the conversation. There's definitely some, you know, there's an energy that changes um, when the when the camera stops rolling, and Matt is the real deal. He's such a lovely human being, and I'll put all the links to his um, his website his social media, everything else in the show notes so you can go follow him and explore where he's at. He's got his CLF protocol. And I mean, he's got a a bunch of amazing things going on. So you can follow him. Um, All the links will be in the show notes. And I really hope you enjoy this episode. Yeah, I thought I'd start off by telling you like, the reason I want to have this conversation with you is because you used to trigger the hell out of me. (laughs) And like, I scrolled back through Instagram and realized I messaged you in 2017. So Mm -hmm. I've at least, you know, had a a social media awareness of you since that time. And Mm. at first, definitely there were, whatever you were sharing at that time, we can kind of maybe work our way back through your history (laughs) of beliefs. Um, But I really resonated with it. And then something you said, and who knows what it is, clashed with, you know, my set of beliefs at the time. And uh, so at some point down the line, I unfollowed. And I would, but, you know, always with an enormous amount of respect for you, because I would check in and be like, what's Matt believing these days?
1: <laughs>
0: and sometimes it would fascinate me. Sometimes i would be like, what the, you know, what the hell, how could you think that sugar is good for you or this? And then I'd like, you know, take another break. And then I decided to face myself, right. And see that, like I really do believe all of life is a mirror and so what Mm -hmm. inside of myself was getting triggered by you that I couldn't hold space for Mm -hmm. and what I came up with is change like the 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 fact that you are so maybe not comfortable let's talk about it or come it felt to me like you were so comfortable with changing your mind and you know having a public platform oh I think you're frozen Oh, you're back.
1: Uh-oh. Are we back? Okay. Sorry yeah. about that. I I probably shouldn't have turned off my VPN while you were talking. I was okay. just trying to make sure the speed was good. So
0: oh I'm yeah, that's good. To,
1: trying to dodge the feds, but yeah, I heard some of what you were
0: saying. Well, basically what I was saying is that, you know, understanding that life's a mirror and mm-hmm. having to face that every trigger has something to do with an internal um. Mm like a part of myself that I haven't accepted and really what you embody to me, one of the many things is this like incredible capacity to evolve and change and not even like acknowledge that you were wrong. Cause I think everything that we believe plays a role in, you know, the evolution of our human experience, but Yeah. yeah, since I got to Mexico, like I moved here in December, trying to escape the insanity that is most of the, um, developed the world I had this like urge to just take off all the masks like I was just kind of sick of these isms like all these dogmatic beliefs and things that you know we cling to kind of to have an identity and a community and of course community and identity is a part of the human experience too but yeah that kind of just brought me back to you and having done a lot of that work on myself I'm like it's the most amazing thing to witness someone's evolution and to see the way that they change and grow. So yeah, that's kind of the background of why I'd love to have this conversation with you and yeah, talk about shedding dogma.
1: (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Um, I'm, I mostly talk just about, you know, human health, but, uh, it seems that you can't talk about that without talking about you know, what you were just saying the the inevitable change as a, that occurs, it's a human and the evolution. And I think what's most important to me about that, especially as a quote unquote influencer or someone with an audience where people take what you say seriously and implement things. Diehard. I think
0: you have a diehard audience. <laughs> honestly, you mentioned That I was interviewing you, and it was like boom, like automatic follows. You know, if (laughs) if it comes out of your mouth, it must be grand. And I, (laughs) but I think it's true. Like people, people trust people trust you.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I always try to emphasize that I'm human, but some people will just never get that, and you know they think they're they're infallible and they never make a mistake or whatever, and. Yeah. So, I mean, I could just start with what you said, like back in 2017, um, the journey and kind of work
0: yes, work please. forward from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. what Tell us the, the evolution of Matt yeah. Blackburn. <laughs> How far yeah. back do you want to go?
1: <laughs> I could kind of summarize very quickly, like a decade. But mm-hmm. um, back in 2006, I took an Aikido class in high school and my sensei was really interesting. He was like an atheist stoner. And he introduced me to this documentary uh, called Zeitgeist. And that, you know, broke my Catholicism upbringing, uh, because I didn't really ever look into it at all, any alternatives or question it. And that started the questioning in 2006. And for the next four years, I went down the deepest rabbit holes of Psychic soldiers, you know, uh, MK Ultra stuff, Montauk Project, just you know, hybridization programs. <laughs> I mean, really out there stuff, but like well documented with like multiple witnesses. So I was down those rabbit holes for about four years. What you could call deep state stuff, mm-hmm. and that led me to uh, studying human health, and I discovered green vegetable juicing, bought a Breville juicer, and just started slamming celery, cucumber, apple, ginger, carrot, you know, fennel. It's one of my favorite recipes right there. And I was doing that about four or five days a week uh, for a few years and got really deep into raw veganism. Got somewhat connected to that community because I was I've always been a, a loner and I started connecting with the community and going to potlucks and things and doing that and observing other humans that were doing this really fast-tracked my evolution because I got to see someone that's been doing fruitarianism for 10, 15, 20 years and look at their articulation, look at their skin, look at their eyes, look Mm. at their energy and all that. And basically I went for spiritual reasons back and forth. I tried as hard as I possibly could Mm -hmm. to live a vital life without meat Not even animal products. I was cool with milk and eggs and, but the, the animal flesh and the muscle meat was a huge hurdle for me. Mm -hmm. And at least four, maybe five times I yo-yoed back and forth from eating meat, not eating meat. And this was each time I would try different cocktail of different dosages and, um, uh, supplements, basically different mm-hmm. supplement stacks each time. So I've been heavily experimenting since 2010 with supplements specifically. And so that's why I started a supplement company because yeah. I've gone down that path. So, so much. And obviously <laughs> there was a lot to unlearn during that process because you look at What you know, the last two years, especially I call it the convid cocktail, it's like ascorbic acid, vitamin D, and zinc. And all three of those actually cause disease. And that's like a huge red pill moment for people to even try to swallow that because what do you mean? We're talking about natural substances, those are in food, right? Well, yeah, they're in food, but you're supplementing them. That's completely different. Mm -hmm. And people just do what they're told. If it's, you know, uh, an influencer with hundreds of thousands of followers Mm -hmm. or a doctor that, you know, sounds reputable and they just get on these liposomal supplements and just go down this really dark path. Like I was on and that led me to (laughs) omega-3 DHA. And that's Mm kind of what I cut my teeth on uh, about four years ago. I was running Mito life by myself on the floor in my Big Bear California cabin, spending all day long, literally all day long, printing out shipping labels, smacking them on packages and driving them to the post office myself. I was very labor intensive. And meanwhile, I was learning and playing podcasts, and multitasking. But I really believed in this substance and it was called algae oil. And it's a very popular vegan supplement right now. And they actually put it in horizon milk, which you have to question why I know why. And what's (laughs) really dark. They market it to pregnant mothers or expecting mothers. And that really uh, gets me going because I know what it does when it's in that concentration at a balance with vitamin E and vitamin A and these other things. So Long story short, I started slamming it. I was doing shots of my own product because I take all my own products or else I wouldn't sell them. And I was really into cold therapy and sun gazing. And basically from a, every level of being spiritual, physical, emotional, mental, getting more light into my body. So I was obsessed with photons and how to absorb them better. So I went down all the carotenoid rabbit holes and chlorophyll absorbs in this nanometer wavelength and astaxanthin. And I started taking these things and naked at solar noon in my 55 degree Fahrenheit tub grounded. I would soak for 15 or 20 minutes almost every day. And I would get high. I mean, it would be a tingling that started in the back of my head and then it would just grow and overtake my entire brain. felt like I did drugs. So there's, Something to these practices, but what I've been telling people for years is just because you feel good from doing something, you could do a bump of cocaine, you feel good, doesn't mean it's good for you. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, people have a really hard time understanding that. So, basically, partnered with a guy that you know was very hungry to build a following and to you know become a uh, influencer king or whatever. Uh, that went south. Had a fun four-month-long lawsuit. Uh, walked away. Wow, started, I didn't know this. Yeah, restarted my da life. That that was at the end of 2019.
0: It's and- so difficult to work with people. Like <laughs> it actually is. I've just started a static dance here in Oaxaca, and even then, like I, you know, I write for work. I work by myself. I do freelance. I'm like also pretty big. I. I'm kind of stepping out of loner life, to be honest, since getting to Mexico, connecting with people much more. It's like a bit strange for me, Um, but it's so difficult to work with people, especially with the intentions and like, you know, the different priorities. Some people are really money focused. Some people are following focused makes. Yeah, it's a challenge.
1: Yeah, I always recommend because people ask me for business advice very often. I always recommend not working, like not partnering with anybody. That's my number one recommendation for I business advice. agree. <laughs>
0: do it all yourself.
1: Yeah. And if you have to hire people that want to support your mission, do that, mm-hmm. but you don't have to, like I did give them 50% of the company in two weeks of knowing them because I'm, that we're is very
0: similar. Yeah. I do the same. I'm like, Oh my God, you want to help? Let's go 50, <laughs> yeah. 50.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, starting your own business, you, you make mistakes and that's, you know, but hopefully it's not a lawsuit mistake, but a lot of the time it is. right? Um, and yeah, to me, it, it really comes down to, you know, being service to others and genuinely wanting to help others. And it's tricky in this natural health field because there's so many people pretending to do that, but they just want to create drama and tear down other people like me, been countless character assassinations on me mm-hmm. um, over the years, countless And it's largely because they're offended because I say the word retard, because I, you know, I, I, I'm just very blunt. Um, I'm successful, whatever it is, they see my float tank, my hyperbaric chamber. I don't know, but that jealousy is a disease and Mm -hmm. it's uh, rampant uh, Mm -hmm. right now in humans. And I used to be there. I mean, I think we've all gone through those phases, but it's the difference between a phase and living in that space. (laughs) Mm
0: Um, you said a few things I was like ooh, I want to explore that and explore that but anyways we're way past much of it but two things I really sit out and I mean similar to me I was I loved my supplement I like took so much pride in my supplements and my cabinets of like the liposomals and the pills and the powders and the drops and the adaptogens and like sure that some of them are still great or can help people or can help people like bridge a gap from one place to another But I really realized at one point, I was like, this is like jet fuel for the ego, when you just absolutely are so attached, even to the habits and the routines, and it can become the most unhealthy thing about you, because it's so much less about the thing, right? Even Mm. you said, you can feel good, it's not necessarily good for you. You can also do something that is good for someone else. But if you have an unhealthy relationship with it, it can be the most toxic thing that you do. Um, maybe you want to explore supplements a bit and the synthetic nature of things like that is something that is maybe more recent, the ascorbic acid. I mean, you helped me understand a lot of these things in your interviews and in your podcast. Um, yeah. Do you want to touch on that a little bit? Like your evolution with going, because a lot of people understand, right. Allopathic pharmaceuticals, are not really good for you. I mean, they have maybe a pl- like maybe they have a place even that I'm trying not to, to live in extremes anymore. I went there, I went from like being, you know, knowing nothing and just going to my medical doctor as a child. And then one day being like, what the fuck, like, this is all crazy. And then being a hundred percent anti the allopathic model, I think it has a place, but then you go into the natural world and things like ascorbic acid are preached as being vitamin C. Right. <laughs> but they're not.
1: Yeah. It's a great question. And I've gone back and forth on this over the years and there are certain supplement companies um, like, uh, well, Dr. Cass Ingram, he was a heavy promoter of North American urban spice. He just passed, you know, he was a legend, uh, the oregano guy. And that company, North American urban spice, their philosophy is only natural, you know, no um, synthetics, at all just naturally derived b vitamins whatever and i i think it's a balance and uh there what i love maybe it's because you know my son signs a virgo i am very detail oriented like very detail oriented and i love complexity and nuance that is what drives me that is my entertainment and I love learning every new little detail about everything. If I learn something new that was wrong, I get really excited hmm. that I was wrong about. And so where when it comes to synthetics versus natural supplements, it's my current understanding that some supplements, like vitamin C, are best taken in their whole form. And then other supplements, like I sell extracted vitamin K2, mm-hmm. that is fine to take. Or I don't want to get your podcast in trouble. So I'll just give the initial MB, uh, which is my initials, but the blue substance that is very effective towards the thing. um,
0: I just started taking this.
1: And that's fully synthetic. I mean, we're talking pharmaceutical. This is the synthetic, unnatural Mm -hmm. substance. And Mm -hmm. it's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's very, very safe, very effective.
0: (laughs) Mm. Do you want to go on a little ramble about the banned censored substance (laughs) that is like sweeping the, the health world by storm.
1: Yeah. I don't know if these, these apps have a, you know, if they, if they scan for words, so I don't even have to say, it. will just say it's called MB. Yep. But the blue pigment, and it's what uh, ivermectin is derived from, actually.
0: I think that's definitely a smart word. <laughs> Methylene blue. Let's <that's> just, <laughs> just you know. COVID. What else? Vaccine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so it's both an electron donor and electron acceptor, and basically, um, the poisoning that we've been exposed to as a human race has screwed up our ability to utilize oxygen to make energy in the mitochondria. So whether we're talking about calcification, iron overload slash lipofuscin, fibrosis, um, it's really that iron overload piece that shuts down our ability to use the oxygen that we breathe to make energy in the mitochondria. So what's amazing about methylene blue is it's like an oxygen surrogate. So even in an oxygen deprivation state in your mitochondria, you can actually still make energy. And that's mm-hmm. why it's blowing up right now in the biohacking field. And there's all these companies selling it because people are severely iron overloaded, especially in the health community and severely copper deficient and retinol deficient. And that combo and mag- let's just add magnesium to the list because that's a, that's a definite. So those four things, then you add methylene blue and you just feel amazing. Well, of course you do because your mitochondria is barely chugging along, making ATP Mm. because all that was going on and it needs copper. It needs magnesium to make energy and iron shuts down that process. So what's amazing is, uh, to use it in the summer and there's, there's lozenges. I have both there's lozenges and then liquid droppers. And so Mm -hmm. if you buy a product, that's a, uh, just, liquid you put that in a shot glass of water and when i had the thing twice i think i had both versions or whatever but
0: what, i COVID was taking thing? <laughs>
1: let's just say it or, COVID- or
0: if this episode is getting flagged it's, gone. <laughs> ago, you
1: can say it's going on going on bit shoot yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> so i was just taking multiple shots uh, i think i was doing like 60 milligrams twice a day mm. methylene blue and so there's a good book by Mark Sloan called the ultimate guide to methylene blue and people with all supplements. What I found is they underdose the good ones and they overdose the wrong ones.
0: Mm. So,
1: you know, they're mega dosing ascorbic acid. They're mega dosing zinc, which shuts down their copper absorption, vitamin D. vitamin D, which shuts down potassium, magnesium, retinol, so many things. Um, so, yeah, I think synthetics have their place. Um, I mean, For example, B vitamins, Mm -hmm. most of them are synthetically derived unless you're doing uh, rice bran uh, powder or whatever, Uh, rice bran solubles, they're going to be synthetically derived. That's not evil. A lot of people have used niacinamide, that form of vitamin B3 in the treatment of diabetes Mm -hmm. and just blood sugar dysregulation. And I hear about that every day, Matt, what do you recommend for diabetes? It's like niacinamide vitamin E, those are huge. And then you could start adding things onto that.
0: I know a part of, um, Morley Robbins protocol of the like green things and the red things that all you have to avoid, like the B vitamins are definitely on the things to avoid the synthetics and same with the pro metabolic community, right? There's some very rigid set of beliefs. And I think, I think out of all the communities out there, the pro metabolic one, Has done a lot of good for me to unlearn things right Mm -hmm. to not fear sugar to not fear dairy to not fear basically i mean most things i can't really think of maybe and even then actually i think they're over feared in that community and i think that you feel the same which is definitely something i respect about you is that within all frameworks people tend to take it to such an extreme and i was i saw recently you shared that or maybe it was on a podcast that you took a break from coffee for a week and you got like shamed um yeah what's the deal like <laughs> i guess i i mean i know people want to identify with something right it's not that different than veganism or carnivore mm-hmm. it creates um yeah people identify with something to the point where their ego is like it's this way or the highway if you take one step to the left you're out of you're out of the club and I think people are also threatened that if you don't do it exactly like they're doing it then they're doing it wrong can you talk a bit about that like caffeine break and maybe what led to it and why you went back to it and what the hate was about
1: <laughs> yeah so um I, I think just before I get into the caffeine thing, I think what it is is that people are looking to build a successful business first mm-hmm. before helping people. Mm-hmm. And they're so attached to being, uh, to sounding right and to hold upholding the certain reputation that they attack other people that are a threat to that. Right. You know, because they, they would never want to admit that they're wrong. And that's the problem with a lot of these um, carnivore influencers are the people with like a, a huge following. You know, they're people that just oh, let's add in fruit and honey and still call myself a carnivore doctor. And you know, just <laughs> who are
0: you referring to?
1: <laughs> Paul Saladino, right? Uh... <laughs> and, and and there's a lot of Dave Asprey's another one. It's you know, he's very like fast this way. He wrote that book called Fast This Way, and now he's like talking about microdosing glucose. Yeah. it's
0: actually oh. hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> the bi- I think the biohacking world though in particular is just next level. Like I don't know how many years people have it in them to, bi- to be a biohacker and not completely lose their mind. Like I actually, I see parallels with biohacking that I see in veganism of like a, a deep rooted like inability to accept death and like a rejection of death as a part of the like life cycle.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. And I've read a lot of books, no, not a lot, a few books on physical immortality. It's a pretty interesting material. And
0: how long did you, you know, spend wanting to be immortal? <laughs> <laughs> or are you in that phase?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I'm, I'm open. I see both, both perspectives. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of the evil people that, you know, are behind the curtain pulling the strings on right. this planet, want to live forever, like the you know, the founders of Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg and whatever, they're just, they're probably afraid of, of death for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But I just look back. I, I think a lot of the stories in the Bible were quite literal. Um, I'm, I'm currently not a, not a Christian. I, I don't think I'll ever go back to organized religion, but I think the living to 800, 900 years was the thing and that they were literally talking about, you know, I think it's called called the, the patriarchs and, um, it, that's always fascinated me. So I don't know if that's, you know, more magnetism back then, mm. you know, before the great flood, there was more humidity, you know, there was more Less oxygen, utilization, right? <laughs> yeah. So for me, it's just fun. And I think they're the primary cause of aging is iron induced oxidative stress. That's my mm. current belief system.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you want to explore Do you want to talk a little bit about your CLF (laughs) protocol? That's your current (laughs) Like, I mean, is this, is this your current, do you identify with it as a dogma? Like, is it, because I actually had looked up before we had this chat. I'm like, I use the word dogma a lot. Let's like actually look it up and see what it means. And it's like an irrefutable truth. So having mm -hmm. explored like your life to date, how do you engage with science? Let's say like you, you you go down the rabbit hole and basically we can prove anything. Right. So how do you like knowing that, how do you engage with science and how do you like sit with truth in your body?
1: Yeah. So I, I believe there's such thing as objective truth. (laughs) And I used to be all subjective that, you know, I was trying to dissolve chemtrails with my mind, and you know, <laughs> shift into parallel realities. Can we and do around. that? I
0: would love because they have <laughs> tried to pop up around Oaxaca. Like Mexico didn't used to have them really. I've heard, like, was one of the reasons I moved here. And all of a sudden, like, chemtrails everywhere.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think it's possible to to just to just keep them going through your body. We're we're gonna ingest them. I think that's inevitable. Um, but yeah, I I think that. Calcification, lipofuscin, and fibrosis uh, is an objective truth mm-hmm. that um, you can't, you know, shift into another dimension and avoid. Uh, I, the blood donation thing to me, and, and thank you, Morley Robbins. I've had him on my podcast twelve times. You mentioned earlier, a huge mentor and friend of mine. Um, it's where I've learned a lot of my information. A lot of the information that I share. Uh, comes from the people on my podcasts Mm -hmm. and uh, Adam Bergstrom, just so many great guests. And so, uh, yeah, recently, it was like a month and a half ago or so I donated blood. And for the first time since I could remember, and it was a total spiritual experience. And I was not expecting that. Mm. Like it was not just, I felt lighter and more grounded, more mentally clear, it felt like something was going on with my field that it was it was more coherent. Um, it, it just everything felt amazing, and the way I looked at life changed. Um, so,
0: do you want to explore that a little bit, <laughs> like the relationship with iron in the blood? Correct.
1: Yeah. So in 1941, they started the iron fortification pro- project. And this is a worldwide phenomenon. So it's not just the United States. And they started adding ferrous iron iron filings to our food supply. So the processed foods, the grains, but people don't take it to the next level and realize that acid rain from the industrial revolution liberated excess iron and aluminum from the soils. And so where's it coming from? It's coming from everywhere. Hmm. Almost every food you've ever eaten in your entire life gave you excess iron. And what do you mean?
0: Everyone's anemic.
1: Right. (laughs) And copper toxic, right? And that's what I believed. And I was told I was anemic for years by three different people, Chinese medicine practitioner that read my wrist and everyone kept telling me that. And I did feel weak. I couldn't gain muscle. I thought it was parasites or mold or all these other things. I was
0: following you for that phase. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was really into the parasites too. It's a fun, yeah,
1: phase. It, it, it's a fun rabbit hole. And I, and I think, it. I mean, parasites thrive in an iron rich environment. So yeah. the bottom line to understand is that men are only supposed to have 5,000 milligrams of iron in their body. Women are only supposed to have 4,000. And we have usually north of 15, 20,000 stored in our tissues. So you can have 10 times more iron stored in your tissues than in your blood. So a big unlearning is just with that ferritin serum ferritin marker. And that's a protein that is actually not supposed to be just floating in the blood, it's supposed to be in the cell. And there's a uh, famous iron researcher named uh, Dr. Douglas Kell that says the ideal ferritin is zero because when you see low ferritin, I'm anemic, right? No, Mm. you actually have to look at multiple other things. We have to look at ceruloplasmin, which is basically active copper. We have to look at retinol and iron saturation and the iron binding sites and, and, C- serum iron, all of these factors. So it's a picture. And that's the case with a lot of these tests is it's not just being obsessive about the numbers. It's looking at relationships and ratios.
0: hundred percent. I mean, I studied holistic reproductive health. And when you look at estrogen, like estrogen dominance is this, you know, really well, like super popular thing to talk about, but you can't have estrogen dominance without having progesterone deficiency. And same with vitamin D, like the active vitamin D, inactive vitamin D. There's so many layers to how our body works that it's not as simple as, oh, you have low this, let's give it to you.
1: And sometimes it is, like with magnesium, that is the case. Right. But it's very rare. Hmm. And yeah, lately, my you know, thanks to Morley and others, Jason hommel I had on my podcast, I have his copper book, Copper Revolution back here. I've been since I since this year started, I'd been just obsessed with retinol and copper mm. that, that, that hormone called it's a vitamin, but it's a hormone retinol and copper. And a lot of this is because I grew up with acne and eczema and rashes and skin stuff. Mm. And that's why I got into vitamin E. It's just the, 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 the skin health, uh, industry, you know, I got on, uh, got on those products. I can't remember the name, not Accutane, but it was some as yeah, seen yeah. on TV. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so basically b- back to iron, you accumulate it besides menstrual bleeding in women, there's no physiological mechanism to dump it. And it's supposed to be mobile. It's supposed to be mobile. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be recycling. And that's called the reticuloendothelial system or the iron recycling system. Hmm. And most women do not know that their entire cycle of bleeding, you would guess that's a lot of iron, right? It's only one milligram and I can show you the study to prove it. Only Hmm. one milligram of iron you lose in, in the menstrual bleeding. So that's nothing because when you donate blood, you're, 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 you're giving 200 to 250 milligrams of iron, mm-hmm. roughly on average, depending on your iron saturation percent. And so whether a man or a woman, it is so critical to donate. And even more so if you have a chronic disease, it's kind of the first thing you should do. And there's nuance to it. Of course, adrenal cocktail, will build up your sodium and potassium, which you're probably deficient in. It's why people faint when they donate blood is because they're so electrolyte imbalanced. Because they've been keto or low carb or low salt or whatever, and it right. just keeps going back. But the bottom line is uh, quarterly blood donations for pretty much the rest of your life um, is the number one way to support your health. And of course, this is assuming that you have copper and retinol and magnesium and all the minerals coming in. and you know just balance, you're eating animal products, you're not on any diet you're not skipping breakfast <laughs> all of those yeah. basic
0: things i mean fasting is a huge one hey and that's something i had to step away from in a way that i very publicly was supporting for a long time like fasting uh the first writing job i ever had was ghost writing a book about fasting for you know a prominent name and i wrote so much about fasting and there are i mean we're mind body soul right so it's exploring that there's potential benefits to doing something for your spirit, but also you might feel amazing. And I did, I was like, wow, I feel so clear. And I can, it was like taking that pill from the movie, the Bradley Cooper movie where everything just makes sense, but like at what cost and also short-term feeling amazing at what cost in the long run. And I think again, back to pro-metabolic, one of the things I do really appreciate about the community is how much it's rooted in low stress, like not putting stress on the body Unless
1: they're stressing about taking a week off coffee.
0: (laughs) Well, let's get back to that. We actually skipped over that. How did that, what happened with that? (laughs) And look, I don't drink coffee. I haven't drinking coffee for years. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually just don't think there's any one thing for everyone Mm -hmm. that feels right. And a stimulant, you know, one thing the pro-metabolic community doesn't talk about is the, the, like, I don't know that it's the energetics, but it's the, introduction of stimulants in general Mm. into the life for Mm. many people having nothing to do with like the the physical impact on the body what is it propping up in your life that is unsustainable right Mm. without it Mm. and so there's just Mm. i mean there's questions to be asked about everything and if you can't ask a question about something if it gets like or you can't take a break from something and not be like out of the club
1: yeah, absolutely. Whether it's tobacco, cannabis, al- mm-hmm. alcohol, coffee, I think all of these things should be cycled. And you know, if you feel like taking a day off or two or a week or a month, you should.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: really like uh, Adam Bergstrom's perspective. He's a contrarian, but he's he always quotes you know on his Facebook posts you know Voltaire or drink you know fifty cups a day or he'll quote these people that just consumed copious amounts of. Whether it's Coca Cola or <laughs> coffee. Mm-hmm. And his perspective is that we've been sold uh, a crock of BS about the nervous system states. And he says mm-hmm. we should be primarily sympathetic, not parasympathetic. So I've been chewing on that since he's been saying that on my show. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. Um, have,
0: you do- have you explored German new medicine? I have not. I think this might be your next rabbit hole because I just interviewed Melissa sell about this yesterday. And she, I mean, if you're, if you're chewing on like the sympathetic versus the parasympathetic, this, the concept, and I'm not going to butcher it myself. Like you'll have to look into it, but it's the, the nature when there's conflict in the body and it puts you into a sympathetic, like a chronic sympathetic state. That's where all disease comes from, according to German new medicine. And it's like, she, she speaks to, The fact that supplements in food won't give you or take away disease. It's all about like conflict resolution in the body. And yeah, there's just, there's so much, like there's so much, there's so much possibility when it comes to, I guess, human health in general, that getting too attached. I mean, he's pretty intense with his like colors and timing. <laughs> I love listening to that episode, but I was like, dude, this is insane.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot of context too. Like I homestead currently by myself, I have a 20 acre farm here. And in the winter I got dumped on with snow and, you know, thankfully I have a skid steer. I have a tractor I have a UTV with a plow. I have all the tools I need to clear, but very labor intensive, keeping up with my goats and mm-hmm. the chickens and just maintaining stuff. So basically I'm constantly moving around doing stuff and um, you know, having some espresso shots from home roasted beans and going out and kayaking on my lake, maybe mixing that with a cigar. I feel amazing. Mm-hmm. So it really depends, I think, how one's living and mm-hmm. if they're not moving, if they're not supporting their system with animal protein and carbs, mm-hmm. that really affects their ability to handle, um, not only handle, but utilize stimulants. Cause I, I don't think it's just a matter of mitigating damage. Mm-hmm. I think it, it could actually have antioxidant like, uh, effects this caffeine substance that's so demonized, but you know, I'm not too attached to that. It's just something yeah. that I like to mention. Well, so. it,
0: it definitely, there is the um, we spoke with this about, I spoke about this with Melissa yesterday, that it is, there has to be, I mean, it has to be true that it's less about the thing and more about your relationship to the thing, because we all know the women and the men who live past a hundred, you know, they're being interviewed in the little like town in the middle of nowhere in like Crete and what's your secret? And it's like cigarettes and whiskey, right? Which aren't formally healthy things, but It really has so much to do with with the story behind the relationship as opposed to the thing itself. And I do think Mm. a lot of people BS themselves when it comes to that. Like I know for me in fasting, of course, there are potential health benefits to fasting. I mean, emphasis on the potential and it's being preached left, right, and center for its ability, you know, to do X, Y, and Z. But if I really get real with myself about my relationship to fasting, it, it was definitely rooted in like unworthiness. And while well, I'm finally going to be able to um, achieve uh, this body. And when I do, I'm going to love myself. I'm going to be lovable. Like it is, there are so many things in extremes in carnivore and in vegan too. It's like, because it's glorified by the society and the community that supports that ism, um, we can ignore the fact that for many people doing extremes is rooted in low self-worth.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I noticed that over-exercising, especially like the, the lifting with men, it's this uh, they're compensating and, women. and especially something. women, right? like <laughs> men.
0: Yes. But women are not like as cyclical beings. It the more I tune in and take off the masks, I like, can't abuse my body like that anymore.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's so much programming, especially with women. Like, you know, I'm overweight. Like you don't look overweight to me. What are you talking about? It's just like our vision of ourselves is so skewed, whether a man or a woman. And yeah, it's, I don't, you know, you look at pictures of indigenous people around the world and they don't look like Paul Saladino. They look, I mean, they don't have six pack abs or eight abs. Mm -hmm. They actually have kind of like a flat stomach, but it's not, they're not super, super ripped. Mm -hmm. And so this vision of, you know, what the natural, you know, human body is supposed to look like, I think it's supposed to be functional. That's what I'm aiming for. I don't want to look like a dog and
0: fertile for women, like the amount of women who aim to have it exists in the pro metabolic community. There's so much calorie counting. There's so much like you know, quite rigid, restrictive. Still within the framework of like intuitive eating, <clears throat> the word intuition is very loosely used um, in the health world. But yeah, fertility mm-hmm. and mobility and like clarity of of mind, sleeping well. There's so many things that people will completely disregard in the name of looking like a certain thing.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't know if you were following me for my experiment. I was doing uh it was called the almond Ra protocol he was a big a big african-american guy interviewed by marcus rothcrans and made him popular mm-hmm. and it's basically a very it's the most extreme protocol i've ever found to date
0: it's and one of it's... my i mean we haven't really been floating in my <laughs> questions but my one question is what's the craziest shit you've ever done <laughs> so perfect <laughs> this is, is by
1: this is by far it uh so it's basically a soy and a legume diet. So soy oh, and bean, no. tofu and beans. Oh no. Fasting 23 hours a day, one hour eating window. Of soy lit, and beans. Soy and beans. And uh it will you kick it off with the with a protein shake with uh the eight essential amino acids and some spirulina <laughs> and some other stuff. And I would make it from scratch every day. I did this for six months. Wow. And while I was doing this, I was deadlifting and I was using a a hex bar and I got pretty strong. I still have pictures of myself. I was shredded, but I was super stressed and my nervous system was a wreck. Mm -hmm. And this is right um, when I was about to go through the lawsuit. And so it
0: perfect timing.
1: Yeah. It absolutely weakened. You were well
0: nourished and relaxed. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Great.
1: Yeah, that was that was by far the craziest thing I've ever done, and yeah, my I was just very bloated and stressed, and my sleep wasn't good, and just energy dips, roller coasters. It was a good experience, though. Uh, That I was, mean, it is fun. Know.
0: This is also part of the human experience, right? The n equals one thing. I think that's it's the most fascinating part of our life you get to do what you want and see how you feel and adapt and pivot but I think that's the key is the pivoting is like at what point are you gonna are you digging a garden or are you digging your own grave like you have to realize at one point like okay this is too much and this isn't serving me how does that work for you like at what with these major maybe this as an example you did it for six months at what point are you like okay Matt Stop the soy, increase the feeding window. <laughs> well,
1: it, it, it was kind of going downhill, that, that feeling, um, when I realized that I was losing my resilience to stressors. I mean, it was a very extreme stressor going through basically a, a psychic attack and people turning on me and, and mm-hmm. people trying to take me down and find out where I live. And it was, I mean, it was unbelievable amount of stressors, unnatural amount of stressors. Um, I was fearing for my life, but at the same time, I was like, well, I should be able to have some resilience to this. Mm-hmm. And so I discovered uh, Dr. Ray Pete and I started on the vitamin E and niacinamide. The clouds and-
0: parted and like light right. was <laughs> And I found him. down through,
1: on you. I found them through Adam Bergstrom. Yeah. And so I started kind of integrating their ideas and just eating carbohydrates again. Cause I was completely sugar-free um, for that time for the most part for 23 hours a day mm-hmm. and just adding in, adding back in milk because I was judged for that by this guy and his crew. Uh, so mm-hmm. adding back in raw milk, putting sugar in it, um, adding back in uh, ground grass-fed beef I started to really come back to life and yeah I think people just get so foggy that they don't really feel their body anymore and they can't tell that what they're doing
0: isn't working for them well I think that plays into veganism too in the spiritual sense like there's this um valuing of like dissociation right thinking that the spirit is better and more valuable than the body to the point where you will dissociate and maybe hallucinate and feel like you know wow I'm floating but it's like to me it's like true deep spirituality when I look at native cultures you know that are so connected to the land and deeply spiritual and deeply intuitive you would never see a child coming up saying, you know, I'm not going to eat animals because it's, it's not spiritual. Like, yeah, there's, there's some pretty big disconnects there. And I think, I mean, I had a short stint with veganism in university rooted. It was like, how am I going to, you know, be more fit and, Oh, veganism must be the, that's the healthy thing to do. And luckily that just didn't stick and didn't last very long. And since I've been, I used to be pretty angry, passionate about, you know, people eating animal products. And now I just, I think everyone's on their path. But by speaking what feels true to me, so many people over the years have like, it's almost like with veganism for many people, they need permission, Mm -hmm. you know, this like that it's going to be okay. And actually it can be spiritual and maybe even more spiritual to see all things as equal as opposed to like hierarchy, which to me is not spiritual at all.
1: Right. Yeah, and realizing that plants aren't vegan. <laughs> it's like the yeah. plants are 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 taking up microbes and you know everything has to it's just the dimension that we're in, whatever you want to call it, the the simulation that we're in, whatever the current system is, uh life must eat life mm-hmm. and especially humans.
0: <laughs> it's like the cycle. It, you can't have life without the death, without the life, without the death. And yeah having worked on regenerative farms like people will come on regenerative farm as a vegan and leave not vegan there's like there's no way once you really understand soil like soil health and how for soil to be vibrantly healthy things have to die into it it kind of dismantles that what was it like coming off veganism for you like what was
1: yeah so I think the first time so basically I was I had no animal products, not one. I never cheated um, for, well, when I was vegan for three years straight. Very good before...
0: spiritual boy.
1: <laughs> very well behaved. No cheating. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, 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 I was very heavily on YouTube. That's what led me to start my own YouTube channel. And so since 2010, I was watching all these YouTube videos and found all the big raw vegan names. I mean, Gabriel Cousins life regenerator dan mcdonald was my biggest inspiration back then Mm -hmm.
0: i like him i would love (laughs) for him to eat steak but like i do like him
1: (laughs) yeah so i was kind of like trying everyone's little protocol and kind of mixing and matching Mm -hmm. and i eventually uh, came to to people you know hearing people talk about grass-fed meat and not all animal products are the same and so hearing like ex-vegan stories that feel mm-hmm. amazing in reintroducing animal products. And, you know, Daniel Vitalis is one of those. And there's a lot of those that just cause stirs and controversy and all this, all this drama that sprouted up, you know, by the vegans making hate videos about them, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> it's like, um, so the I ate a, here.
0: we don't even have to go into the, <laughs> the death threats on ex-vegans.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I experienced that in my personal life with friends. Like I had multiple friends that just stopped, talking to me or hanging out when I started eating muscle meat and that was a real eye opener for me to see that relationships were based on, you know, that, wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so I, I started with ground bison in a, in a homemade burger and that experience just lit up my brain and then that basically led me to eating a lot of ground beef. It took me years to get into steak that I'm into now. I only started that about two years ago, really, maybe two and a half um, eating. And before that, I was just only eating ground beef. And I've heard that's because I'm a Vata with the uh, constitution type. Interesting. So I like like pre digested very just, just almost like, you know, it's easy to chew and digest kind of.
0: Did you love a good juice cleanse back in the day then?
1: (laughs) I was all about it. Yeah.
0: Well, as as a Vata then too, having like the raw vegan thing is so intense. Like you need, Vatas really need grounding to be balanced out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I went to a private university for a year, very uh, rigorous uh, uh, memorization, you know, of course in public school. Yeah, public school, college—they force you to memorize things. So just a lot of, a lot of ATP needed for that. And
0: I bypassed a lot of that. I like never <laughs> memorized my multiplication tables. I don't know how I got past like fourth grade or something. I just <laughs> refused, and I never did it. I don't know my multiplication table.
1: That's amazing. I I, I took a, like a history of Christianity class, and it was just free writing for the test, where I had to basically recount all of these periods just with no, just fill in the blank. It was very, very intense. And I was drinking raw goat milk at the time. And that really fueled me. So I would just bring to school like half a gallon of raw goat's milk and just sip on that throughout the day. And that actually improved my grades dramatically because I was like a C D student. Then I turned into like an A student.
0: Wow. I can't do dairy. And there's this, like, I can hear the collective pro-metabolic community gasping and like, you just got to heal your gut. But like, I, you know, I just don't think I can do dairy. And do you think everyone can? And are you one of the believers that everyone should be able to tolerate?
1: I I think so. Yeah. I mean, if you look into studies on dairy, um, there's some that show that you can actually um, get rid of lactose intolerance. So you generally hear, what is it? Asians have, you know, the hardest time digesting it, and there's this kind mm-hmm. of racial connection to dairy. I, I don't think that necessarily applies. Maybe to some people, but with um, with digestion and allergic reactions, a lot of that comes down to copper and magnesium deficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you have a reaction to something, usually it's involving the diamine oxidase uh, enzyme deficiency, and that's that's required for histaminase function, and basically not having your body mount a full full blown attack, you know, mm-hmm. defense against what you're ingesting. And so, what I always tell people with dairy is, generally, raw goat milk you're going to do better on than raw cow milk but it's really about the amount. Hmm. So starting slow, and I'm talking about a tablespoon slow Hmm. and moving up from that consistently, like microdoses.
0: Well, someone messaged me different concept of microdosing, but of bee pollen, because I like, Hmm. we'll take tablespoons at a time. And a woman said she literally had to start with a granule of bee pollen. (laughs) Because she like was buzzing out as if she like <laughs> drugs, which is wild. I mean, I guess we're all, some bodies are sensitive and with things like dairy, definitely low and slow.
1: I think that's severe copper deficiency. And hey. that's been my my big uh, fascination for several <laughs> months because I could take a, an entire handful of bee bread yeah. And, and down it multiple oh, times a day.
0: pollen That's what I said to her. I like, I referred her in that direction of, of only knowing bits and pieces, but having heard that when you're really sensitive to B pollen, it's intense copper deficiency.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, I, um, a lot of people with conditions, I was just talking to someone that has, um, uh, severe pulmonary fibrosis where she's on oxygen 24 seven mm. and, uh, autoimmune disease and all of these serious you know, chronic diagnoses that people get, it's, it's way more simple than they think, because they keep looking around, you know, working with spending thousands, working with different people and it's mold. No, it's heavy metal toxicity. And it's, and they're just trying to find what caused it. And it's very simple, (laughs) excess iron, copper deficiency, magnesium deficiency, and I'll put retinol deficiency in there. I keep getting keratosis pilaris testimonial after testimonial. Mm. And I was for the last two years, every live I would do on social media, Matt, what do I do for keratosis pilaris? Social media is my favorite thing about social media by far is hearing the problems that people are dealing with because it just cuts through all the scientific study BS because it's real life. I -hmm. get to see like how many people are dealing with this issue. And right now, keratosis pilaris is an epidemic. That's a skin did, condition.
0: Oh, I was going to ask. Yeah. I don't even know what this is.
1: Yeah, it's it, it's a vitamin A deficiency, just like cancer is a vitamin A deficiency, just like acne is a vitamin A deficiency. Mm. And it is that simple. And of course, it's connected to oxygen utilization and loading eight copper atoms into ceruloplasmin through ATP 7A and 7B. That's what retinol does. Is it? Loads copper into this Swiss Army knife that does 24 enzymatic functions to kill pathogens, clear exhausts, and make energy. And yeah, and I've been just uh, we, we, you know, talk about biohacking, ozone therapy, hyperbaric oxygen. You're gonna use those oxidative therapies without knowing Morley's work and this stuff. Are you insane? Most people are
0: (laughs) (laughs) most people definitely are. I mean, look at the state of the world. (laughs) Um, can you touch actually, before I say, I was going to, I'll ask you to touch on sugar for a minute. Um, because that's definitely something, another big, like hot topic that has to be unlearned. And for me, like I, maybe we'll talk about this first. Unknowingly was fruit phobic for like a decade. And I say unknowingly because it was never this like thing that I actively feared and was like, this is this, you know, it just was, this isn't good for me. Um, These, these fruits, you know, the, the pineapples and the mangoes, they're too high in sugar. So I just kind of like over time, you know, as a child grew up eating tons of fruit. And then over time it was like berries basically are the fruit to consume and that's it. (laughs) And then kind of exploring I mean, it doesn't even really make sense when you think of sugar, like even refined white sugar that is derived from beets. Like there's, there's a dissociation there that why would that be innately bad for you if it's just coming from a beetroot, which in of itself isn't bad for you. Um, So yeah, what's your relationship been with, that's actually one of the things that used to trigger me about, I was falling at one point and it was like a sugar obsession. I was like, okay, this sugar is terrible for you. There's no way. And then I like kind of just unlearned and learned and now I'm like, what I can't even imagine a life first of all, without fruit.
1: Yeah. Like, and yeah, i in
0: general. Go for it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I live in North Idaho for people that I don't know. And so I'm in a, a pretty North latitude. I mean, our winters are harsh. I mean, within a couple days I'm outside all day clearing snow. If, if it snows 24 seven and fruit doesn't grow well up here unless mm-hmm. like I'm doing in the summer you put up geodesic growing domes and you grow fruit kind of unnaturally which I'm is gonna that do what you're
0: doing in your domes is that why you're building them cool
1: that's the main focus is to have uh, citrus and uh, subtropical stone fruits do really well up here actually outside like my first Idaho house had apples plums and cherry trees just outside and of course Bad. you know the you know in the winter those are gone but I plan to have year-round in the dome And yeah, the, the sugar and stress connection is the big thing that people need to realize. And so, um, cortisol and adrenaline, I mean, going back to coffee, like I used to do disgusting stevia or monk fruit in my coffee, uh, sugar and cream in your coffee is what balances it out. But a lot of people drink it black while they're skipping breakfast intermittent fasting, keto. I did all of that bulletproof coffee, the whole thing. That is where you get wrecked. And this is the connection to sugar. So a lot of things raise our cortisol and adrenaline, but one of the big ones is when our liver is depleted of glycogen Mm -hmm. because we've been fasting and this is stored sugar from ingested glucose. And our body uses that, our liver uses that to perform its 500 functions to convert inactive thyroid T4 to active form T3. It uses it to make ceruloplasmin. just so many things. I mean, 500 things, detoxification, phase one, phase two, all these things. So um, what sugar does is it actually uh, inhibits uh, cortisol production and I, I like a combination of sugar and and I'm using sugar and carbohydrates synonymously here and salt for adrenaline. So sugar for cortisol, salt for adrenaline, Mm -hmm. and just imagine all the people that are keto fasting, low salt. It is by design. They're trying to kill us with stress Mm -hmm. and age us just to get the, you know, just to get enough, um, work out of us and then get on to the next, you know, human peasant. Um, that's kind of the way the world's set up. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to go to white refined C and H sugar. Um, I like it in my milk. It doesn't compare to the brown sugar that Adam Bergstrom says is just sprayed. A lot of people think it's more natural, turbinando, whatever. Mm -hmm. The white refined sugar, it's just pure um, uh, glucose. It's it's, it's sucrose. So it's 50-50 glucose and fructose. And our body utilizes that very well. Fructose doesn't even require insulin to be digested. Um, and a lot of people don't know with, you know, cause it's all about insulin, right? Mm-hmm. With sugar. What about blood sugar spikes? What about insulin spikes? That was the next spikes? question, actually. <laughs> I haven't
0: like, yeah, I haven't done that, yeah. that deep dive.
1: You know, what was the original insulin? It was called copper and potassium. And so people don't realize the importance of mineral balance and what the, you know, pro metabolic community often says yeah. is that sugar increases your nutrition requirements. So you'll hear like, like on social media, these doctor accounts saying, you know, sugar depletes you of copper and zinc and they'll list off and all the vitamins and minerals that sugar lowers, mm. but lowering isn't a bad thing. If. You're utilizing it to produce energy. Mm. And so um, ingesting sugar uses up magnesium and copper. You're already deficient in magnesium and copper, but you need sugar and you need energy. <laughs> so mm. it's really, a, it's what I've found with heavy sugar experimentation is it's finding the balance with animal protein. Right. So it's not all about sugar and carbs. It's not all about animal Mm -hmm. protein, right? So we can go fruitarian or carnivore. The truth is in the middle. And if you consume both, that is blood sugar regulation, that stability, Mm -hmm. and you should be able to go multiple hours between meals. And I've
0: carnivore would love that. That was like a pick (laughs) for his.
1: Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. and, And there's, you know, life happens. I, I, you know, I've moved several times in the last few years, a lot of personal life stuff going on and living up here where I do, um, you know, like a couple of winters ago, my neighbor got his tractor stuck in the snow. And so I'm over there shoveling out and out there helping him for like two to three hours. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, went over there without eating and I just brought little jerky snacks and stuff. And so I think you know, depending on how you live your life and how hectic it is and children and work and whatever, you know, have a cooler, have your plan for when you don't eat and whether that's homemade gummies, whether that's milk, whether that's cheese. Um, uh, I recently got back into sprouted nuts, which I really love, especially sprouted almonds. They make me feel amazing. Uh, just more nutrition in the morning because I find mm-hmm. a lot of people are so confused about breakfast and they're just overwhelmed that they just eat less or don't eat at all. Mm-hmm. And it's like you don't have to restrict. You know, <laughs> like yeah. if, you want, if if nuts, you know, add more calories and nutrition to your, your morning, do it. Mm-hmm. You know, even regardless of the poofas.
0: <laughs> yeah. True. The the thing you just mentioned about like going to a neighbors and fasting unintentionally or not eating enough. I think too, like in the, in the life happens umbrella, we should be able to fast. And even like, we should be able to run, but it doesn't mean that running is the best kind of training. Like we're talking about being mobile and healthy and capable into old age. Running is not the way to get there going for long runs is going to it's like linear it's going to destroy your joints it's not but you should be able to run and same with fasting it's like it is it's our ancestors would go periods without food they, you should be able to have that stress resilience but you only have that stress resilience if you don't expose yourself to that stress all the time so to take something that you should be able to do and be like i'm going to do it every day mm. i think it's a bit backwards
1: yeah, and I I question that narrative a little bit, the feast famine thing. Um because we can't really see carbohydrates in the in the fossil record, you know. Like, you know, like where was the planet blanketed in fruit trees? Was it all tropical? If if any of the Bible was true and it was pre, you know. True. Flood and all that. Right. So, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, I like <laughs> Yeah.
0: Geodesic st- De- domes growing in fruit trees. <laughs> I mean,
1: <laughs> you know what I like, I like venison jerky and honey sticks. If I had really? to pick my, you know, my one snack, that would be it. There's just the little raw honey sticks and you know, you could bite them or cut off the top that and jerky. You are good.
0: Cool. Do you make you know, your try own to get jerky? Sort of, Do you hunt?
1: Working on it. Yeah. I've, I've skinned some deer with my neighbor. He has the whole setup. He's been doing it for years. Um, my big goal this summer is fishing, uh, mm-hmm. cause I never got into that. And I have my Lake is stocked with, uh, crappie sunfish, bass, trout. Awesome. And I, I've been actually craving, uh, fish for some reason. I don't know if it's Ooh. the minerals. So I've been eating salmon at least twice a week, sometimes three times a week. Uh, salmon and wild rice with butter, such a good nourishing dinner. And
0: butter is uh, the one dairy thing I actually miss and crave. Like <laughs> I've been so long without it, but butter is worth exploring the microdosing of the goat and all the stuff just to have butter alone. <laughs> I,
1: I would try a ghee and I can't so even
0: handle ghee
1: really. Hmm.
0: And the thing is like, I mean we all have our blind spots but I'm very healthy. My gut's fine. I have no digestive issues. It's just dairy and um a friend that does kinesiology, he reckons there's something to do genetically with my like blonde hair and blue eyes that there's something genetically that the dairy does not it tests up in a way where he's like look we can work on this but it's going to take so much work. It's not natural apparently for my like genealogy to be consuming dairy. I don't know how True, that is.
1: Have you ever done like the DNA test stuff?
0: Uh, yeah, the um yeah. big pharma has all my spit samples <laughs> and they're recreating clones of me on some other planet.
1: I just did the, the ancestry. I know they already have, yeah, they already have all their info, but Whatever. it's funny, depending on the DNA test, I'm like 10% Italian difference, I'm either 40 no or 50% way. according to the different tests.
0: <laughs> what the hell? I thought this was accurate as hell.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it it varies. It's weird. 23Me versus ancestry. Check it out. There's there's a slight difference there. But yeah, I would uh if you want, I would experiment with digestive enzymes. Mm. Like I saw digest it all, which is multiple one.
0: You know what? Um, So I was at a friend's a few years ago now in Denmark. And her husband is a chef on the island of Bornholm, where it's like, it's actually a dream, I like dream of living there. It's like, everything's farm to table, you have, anyways, it's an amazing place. And it was a 10 course meal with dairy at pretty much every meal. And there was no avoiding it. I was like, I'm just gonna feel like shit after this, you know, whatever. But I had enzyme, I had powder, like a, a container of it. So I like railed the line. No, I like took a a quarter teaspoon of enzymes after every dish and I felt nothing like my body was completely fine. I mean, I guess that speaks to something.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I always tell people, one of my favorite, like detoxes, mm-hmm. that's very affordable is an endotoxin detox. Mm. And you'll hear the pro metabolic people talking a lot about the raw carrot because of rape heat. Mm-hmm. but the spore-based probiotic products, um, really fascinating research. Um, I have it on my MITOLIFE site, just two capsules a day for 30 days reduced called post So after eating endotoxemia or endotoxin by 42%, mm. which is significant. And these were in you know college students or they were like drinking and eating whatever processed food. Mm. And that, that endotoxin secreted from uh, gra- called gram negative bacteria in your gut that's very inflammatory. And I think that's the cause of a lot of intolerances as well. Mm -hmm. And so I always tell people try that for a month. It's Mm. just, just two a day for 30 days. Mm -hmm. Um, And I saw that probiotic one, but even combining that with raw carrots and and see if that changes how you react to substances, because it could.
0: Cool. I have to give it a go. I mean, I'm not too attached to the dairy. I think that is a part of it too, right? Is unlearning the fear of things. And then from that place, having a diet. So long as the reason you're not consuming things, isn't like, this is just a blanket, bad thing for everyone, Mm. which I did for ages with everything. Like you reach a point where you're like, what the, like, I can't even eat anything anymore.
1: Yeah. And that's where I was heading the last couple of years. There's just like restricting and, I just started eating salads again, and I, I love saw. salads.
0: Have you gotten any hate for that?
1: <laughs> not too much, I'm sure behind the scenes. But <laughs> when I was when I was raw vegan, that was my only dinner every night. We're talking about like three so years, of a giant the size of my head romaine, or I did red leaf lettuce from the co op. You know, it was better, uh, but my body thrives on raw uh, green fiber, like leafy mm-hmm. greens. And it's, that's so the opposite that you hear, um, from people. And I'm actually, I'm going to write a post on, uh, the health benefits of oxalates and phytates the next couple days. Oh, I
0: can't wait.
1: <laughs> they inhibit iron absorption, just wow. like the polyphenols and coffee or tea. And I mean, if you're going to, you know, build your lifestyle around something, that's what I would do. It's like limiting iron absorption that's going to have the biggest bang for your buck and and systemic benefits.
0: I used to donate blood every, I think it was every three months I could donate it. And I knew nothing about iron and all the stuff. All I knew is like intuitively, it felt awesome to think that I was like building new blood based on the now healthy life. Cause you know, I grew up eating fruit loops and Dunkaroos and being rewarded with junk food which created a great neural pathway for associating <laughs> unhealthy things um in my brain but yeah I was like now that I'm living like a healthy lifestyle it's, it's amazing even conceptually to be building new blood from things you actually want to be building blood from
1: yeah and you know to, to make heme you need uh four uh iron atoms and four copper atoms so so copper cool. is involved in making red blood cells. That's what a lot of people don't understand. They think it's all iron. And that's what we've been programmed by the mainstream to believe need iron to make hemoglobin. Now you need copper too.
0: With this whole copper thing. Um, if someone's been doing the, you know, eating too many pufas, um, taking ascorbic acid, been doing all the like copper depleting things in your experience, how long off those things can you start being like a human being again?
1: I, I mean, I think immediately, um, supplementation really hides, um, a lot of sins. (laughs) Like if you, like, if I'm going to go out and eat a a junk meal, which I never do anymore, let's just say hypothetically, I went to, I don't know, in n out or Chipotle or something like that. Mm -hmm. I would do Sheila's jeets, digestive enzymes and vitamin E. Mm -hmm. And those three together mitigate a lot of the stuff, um, in the food. But I think people should be on these anyway. Um, but yeah, I guess it depends how you define living like a normal human being.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess feeling good. <laughs> having <laughs> copper, like having having bioavailable copper in your system.
1: Yeah, it, it really depends. Um, th- there, there's so many factors. I often highlight the burn rate of nutrients. Mm. So... You know, I'll say if you're in a bad environment, let's just say an apartment complex. You know, one time I watched a friend's apartment and, and um, she had like 30
0: first and last time,
1: first and last time, she had like 30 or 40 wi Wi-Fi signals in there. And I had such trouble sleeping and I actually started to feel like I was getting sick. And this is, you know, granted I was severely iron overloaded and I had no idea about blood donation. And, and, and excess iron is the bi- biggest antenna for harmful man-made electromagnetic radiation.
0: That blew my mind. I mean, it makes so yeah. much sense.
1: Yeah. Anyone that's EMF sensitive, don't believe a word I say, just go and donate blood. You know, it's, it's about 500 ml. It's a bag. It's a pint. Go and do that. And try to avoid Red Cross because they're shady. <laughs> you know, there's Vitalant, which I like. There's all these different organizations. Matt, we've
0: already sold our spit to <laughs> reptilians. Like they can have my blood, whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna ask Adam. Actually, I'm interviewing him next week. He, he knows he. I'm gonna ask him about blood because he's. He said, "You know, do you know what they use the blood for?" He probably has some wild stuff to say.
0: <laughs> take my take my copper deficient blood. What are you gonna do with it? <laughs> go drink my iron overload it's okay they probably,
1: probably fill a swimming pool with it and do weird stuff. I don't
0: know. <laughs> <So>. undoubtedly <laughs> cool
1: um yeah so yeah i was just gonna say you know emf sensitivity people dump iron with the blood donation and maybe you know build up with the, the adrenal cocktail which is you know four ounces uh fresh squeezed orange juice four ounces coconut water pinch of white salt build up for a few weeks or a month and go and donate and you will be less emf sensitive. Um I have Starlink here unfortunately which I just use, you know, for for my phone throughout the day. Hmm. And I've measured it. I have several meters here and they just sing, you know, when it's around the router. And after I donated, I felt nothing by the router where before if I, you know, hold my hand over it, tingles. Starts to tingle. I'm like, "Okay, I'm burning my hand." I could, I'm pretty sure I could like sleep with my head on the Starlink router on. Don't after I
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> It's huge though. Um, yeah, and, I mean, I
0: imagine it just makes so much sense. I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm booked in, I'm going to the beach tomorrow for a week and then I'm booked in to donate blood when I get back. So do it in awesome. your honor. Yeah. So,
1: <laughs> the I'm one pretty EMF,
0: EMF sensitive.
1: I recommend asking for an experienced nurse because Hmm. I keep hearing mistakes from friends where they're like, yeah, they had to stick me twice and that's not fun. It's happened to
0: me in the past. I have like a drug user's (sighs) dream. Like I have like a very easy to access vein in my arm. (laughs) So typically they don't have issues, but once I did have to get twice and it like bruised, it puddled, like there was a puddle of bru- of blood pooling from under my skin and it bruised and it looked like a drug heat like for a few weeks.
1: <laughs> yeah. The, the first nurse she poked me and then she said, uh-oh. I was like, Uh-oh, no. why? "Uh oh!" <laughs> then she called the superior over, and then she's like, "I think I poked through the vein." I'm like, what does that mean? She's like, "Oh, it's just a little hematoma. You're, you're definitely gonna bruise." I'm like, okay, oh, maybe that's what happened to me. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, I called a hematoma.
0: Mm. Don't you kind of wish you could keep all the blood you donate in case you ever need blood in the, with the current state of the world? Like, if you ever need a blood transfusion,
1: I I don't think. I would ever need a blood transfusion. I mean, unless a grizzly bear rips me apart up accident? here.
0: Accident, yeah, accident. <laughs> I mean, just take my body, bear, go circle of life, you know. Because <laughs> I don't think I want any like random people's blood these days.
1: Yeah, I found out I'm O positive because I thought I was O negative for several years, mm-hmm. which is, uh, you know, Rh. Uh, the oh, reason yeah. uh, there's this big. You know, people get down rabbit holes. It's hard to find videos on this, but people like specialize in this, like whether you're, you have reptilian genetics or monkey genetics and it's like the RH negative stuff. And I, I've dabbled in it. I think it depends on how much hair you have in your body. People get crazy about it.
0: Whoa, I've not um, gone down this rabbit hole.
1: It's a wrap. Yeah, I'm sure some of these websites like BitChute probably have. They're definitely not on YouTube. I can <laughs> tell you that, but uh, I, I think, Yeah. Who knows where we came from? I've read some uh, interesting ET books and one of my favorites, Gods of Eden uh, said, yes, you know, the creator, God created us, but ETs created us physically. So like God created our soul, Mm. but ETs genetically created us. And that really resonated with me. He has a clap.
0: (laughs) God X (laughs) ET. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, I think that's one of the things too. It's fun to explore those things, but like any isms, not to get too attached to thinking we know and it being part of the mystery of life.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There's some cool stories though. Look at uh, uh, Billy Myers in Switzerland. That's a fun one. He's a one-armed man. (laughs) It's a good documentary. For the
0: next three months.
1: Yeah, supposedly he had contact for decades and they would just like come down their ship, they would take him up there, he would take pictures. Was he a vegan? That's a yeah, that's a big programming. I've read probably 20 books on ETs, and they all have that like plant-based vegan, like that's how the ETs are. They don't consume meats, and it's always been fascinating to me. Yeah. <laughs>
0: okay, Matt, I won't take any more of your time. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Camille. This was fun. Yeah. Yeah, I really uh,
0: enjoyed it too.
1: Different kind of interview. I liked it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Until next time.
1: Sweet. Thanks so much.
0: Bye for now.